This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a Friday. Josh Hedick filling in for Mike Gill, but we're only on for one hour of the Sports Bash. As usual, Hunter Birdie is on board. And it's a celebration because it's not just Friday, but it's game two of the Flyers Stanley Cup run versus the Canadians today. Three o'clock, 97.3 ESPN. Despite the fact that the Phillies are a dumpster fire, despite the Sixers just have more questions than answers, we have one thing to hang on to, Hunter. The Flyers are playing today. That is correct. And I have the same shorts on. Now, I did switch the shirt, and I wanted to get your opinion on, do I have to wear the same exact attire that I wore on game one no. to keep everything alive? No, I am not a believer in any of that lucky jinx kind of stuff. I'm not a believer in that. If we had that kind of power, we would be doing a lot of things to control the outcomes of things. Okay, well, just to clear the air here, I believe in it a little bit, so I'm going to rock the same shorts and see what happens. We have a different Flyers t-shirt on today. We did not go jersey, but I do have the orange and black obnoxious shorts, which you can see the picture of me on 97.3 ESPN's Twitter account when I walked into the studio on what day was that? Tuesday? Wednesday? I'm losing track of days here, Josh. Well, when was the Flyers game? It was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. That's right. So many days going by, you know, it's hard for me to keep track. So much baseball, so much poor bullpen play and all that, that my mind is just boggled. It's boggled. Well, I know what's not mind-boggling, and that is we will talk Flyers this hour. We will talk Sixers this hour because the Sixers do come up tonight as well on 97.3 ESPN, the final game, and they're going to play the Celtics. So the whole NBA playoffs are formulating, you know, I was talking with Mike Gill earlier, and it looks like the NBA has already solidified most of the schedule for a lot of these playoff games down in the bubble. So there's a lot going on. But I'd be remiss, Hunter, to not bring the mood down and talk about another debacle of a Phillies loss. They find another way to lose a game. They find another way to ruin everybody's life and night. And it seems like at this point, no matter what they do, they switch up the bullpen. They call up Alec Bohm. I think I said his name right that time. But no matter what they do, this team still finds new and unique and special ways to lose baseball games. You know it's bad when Neil Walker is bringing your bullpen's ERA down after he comes in in the ninth inning. Their ERA went up from 9-something back up to 10. But when he went in, because he had an outing without allowing any runs, it started to go back in the right direction, which is obnoxious. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that it's this terrible. But Vince Velasquez goes one inning, allows two hits, two earned runs. Connor Brogdon, someone who I thought, you know what? Un unfortunate circumstances for him. I don't think he's ready. But based off of what's happening, I thought it was reasonable to give him a shot. And here he goes. His first pick pitch in the major leagues is a bomb and gets absolutely destroyed. He went one and one third, three earned runs. It, it was just Terrible, flat-out terrible. Austin Davis should not be allowed to throw another baseball again. And it's the same thing over and over again. I feel bad for Bryce Harper and JT Realmuto, who are literally destroying the league. I mean, they are playing such great baseball now, and it's not going to get recognized because the Phillies are 5-9. and nine. 
it's embarrassing how bad this pitching staff is. And that's my favorite word to use for it because at some point, at some point, there has to be some somebody's got to be held accountable for this. There's got to be some sort of retribution because, you know, how many times do Sixer fans scream for the mount, the mountaintops? Fire this person. Fire Brett Brown. Fire uh, the GM. Fire a uh, trade Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Like, I got all these people uh, blowing me up now over the last 24 hours because I don't know if you heard on game night last night, but uh, Scoop B, Brandon Robinson dropped that, you know, some there it was suggested to him that the Sixers could trade Ben Simmons this offseason. Now everybody's dropping on that. Where where is the passion to hold this Phillies team accountable, Hunter? I think it's there. I mean, I think this season, because this is so historically bad, and you're seeing teams like the Orioles, like the Marlins, like these really bad teams in the league that don't even have close to an ERA like the Phillies have, I think it's really opening up some eyes for people. But the question comes down to this, because in baseball, it's two different scenarios. While there's ownership in all of sports, with baseball, because of how the money's different, there's not a hard salary cap, you have the luxury tax, who is at fault? Is it Matt Klintak or is it Middleton? Now, you can look at the payroll of this team and you can say that John Middleton gave Matt Klintak enough money where it shouldn't be this disgusting, which is totally fair to say. But at the same time, the fact that the luxury tax is holding John Middleton back from making certain decisions that would help this baseball team get better, I think that there is an argument there as well. But at some point, don't we have to admit that... Is it really the luxury tax that's holding this team yes. back? Or yeah, is it, or is uh, it the, some other mismanagement somewhere else? Well, yeah, there's definitely mismanagement elsewhere. But the fact that JT isn't signed is a luxury taxing. The, the reason why the bullpen is what it is right now is because of luxury tax. They didn't want to pay a veteran like Liriano. They didn't want to play guy or pay players who are a little bit more... Uh, better at their job because they were worried about the luxury de- tax thing. They'd rather go in with a lot of question marks and not a high payroll, and you're seeing the outcome. Well, if that's the case, then they completely mismanaged the the team. And right. Clintac should be that fired. Fall on? Who does, does that fall on? Clintac or well, does he, that fall on He's Middleton? a general manager. Isn't he responsible for what he does with the team? Yes, but he, let me throw this scenario at you. Uh, I, I've been – I started out in the crowd of – do whatever you need to do to sign JT. I don't care what it is because look at what you gave up. Then COVID happened, and I realized, look, the market's just not going to be the same. So we do need to address this with COVID in play. And now as time starts to move, and now that you understand COVID, you see what's going on, you, you, you had time to figure things out, I'm back on the, hey, you got to make sure you keep this guy because Reese Hoskins isn't playing well. That opens up an opportunity at first base. You now have the DH in play for JT if things go south for his catching part of his career. So I think you got to sign him. You're hearing that they haven't even had one conversation yet. Now, that's not a Matt Klintak problem. That's a John Middleton issue because if John Middleton realized that Matt Klintak hasn't had a discussion with JT yet at all, then John Middleton needs to step up and have that conversation. And because he isn't, I have to put the blame on him. I'm looking at the Phillies' salaries right now. You have three guys who are making $20 million this year. And one of those guys is really an eyesore. I'm looking at this, this salaries thing right now. Jake Arrieta is making $20 million this year. Sure, he comes off the books. We all knew that that was a terrible contract. But can't you build JT Romuto a contract 
where the money you're giving him doesn't become the big money doesn't become active until next year when the Arietta money comes off the books. Also, when the McCutcheon money is can you know can be moved around, like some of the money that's on the books this year. If you're really that hand tied, shouldn't that not keep you from signing a guy after this year? Right, exactly, and that's the big discussion. It's the whole why don't you replace Arietta's contract? with what JT Real Muto's contract's going to be. That, that has been a topic of conversation for quite a long time, and it, it bothers me that they haven't even discussed anything. In what universe have they not sat down and just said, hey, JT, like, where you at? Let's figure some things out. Let's talk. Like, Just have a basic conversation on where do you sit right now, but the fact that that hasn't even happened is so disturbing to me. It really is. Even if you are leaning towards letting him test free agency and going through all that, which it seems like they are, the fact that they haven't even communicated shows me that there is such a flaw up top when it comes to this organization. PlaySugarHouse.com text board is open for you at 609-403-0973. We're here for one hour on the Sports Bash. We'll get the Flyers game to hockey right here on 97.3 ESPN. Of course, we'll talk some Sixers a little bit later in this hour. Don't forget also, after the Flyers game tonight, we will have game night with myself and Kevin Durso recapping the Flyers game. But we got to continue on the Phillies here because, again, I'm looking at these salaries, Hunter, and... I And listen, maybe I'm totally out of the loop and misunderstanding what I'm looking at. But I understand that you have, what is it, one, two, three, four, five, six. You have eight guys who are making double-digit millions of dollars this year. But why would that many guys handcuff you so much with the rest of your roster? Like, the fact that they mismanaged their money. Did you know that Jose Alvarez is making more money this year than Zach Eflin and Scott Kingery and Adam Morgan and Neil Walker and Tommy Hunter. Like, that that in and of itself makes me scratch my head about the inability of this team to manage their money. Well, to be fair, Jose Alvarez is one of your better relief pitchers. So, I mean, that's like the, the worst, you know, that's like the least of my worries is how much Jose Alvarez, the fact that, you know, Tommy Hunter's still here. The fact that some of these pitchers are even still here. Austin Davis. It's not so much even about the money. It's just the fact that they're even on this roster. But How the do money, they look at these players and say, this guy deserves to make this team? But That's the money where I have is the, the reason why we're having this conversation. Yeah, but Jose Alvarez isn't the guy to bring up because you could argue that he's actually a decent bullpen arm. Okay, fine. Vince Velasquez is making sure. $3.6 million. That is, I'm just looking down this list here. Yeah, that's a okay. problem. I mean, that's, it's not good enough. That is five times more than Andrew Knapp is making. That's six times more than Reese Hoskins is making. Yeah, I mean, well, you yes, yes. But you also have to keep in mind what contract Reese Hoskins is on at this time of his career and things of that nature. But, but again, yeah, yeah, they're, if, they're, in a, they're in trouble when it comes to spending money because they're not willing to go over the luxury tax. They spent $11 million on David Robertson. And, and here's the thing with that. I don't blame that move to sign David Robertson. That's just so unfortunate. I can't blame them for signing someone like David Robertson, who's a, a pure veteran, who's never had any injury problems, and then he comes here and he has his first legit insane injury problem. I can't knock them for that decision, even though it didn't work out, because I would have done that any single day of the week. You needed an arm like that, and unfortunately, it just didn't work. But he had no track record of any sort of problems. 
PlaysRegardless.com text board is open at 609-403-0973. Along with Hunter Brody, I'm Josh Hennig here filling in for Mike Gill on the Sports Bash on a Friday on 97.3 ESPN. And I understand everything you just said. And I'm, it's not that I disagree, but I feel like that is a convenient excuse for the six for the sorry the Phillies to sit there and say, well, because of these situations that may or may not be in our control, at some point you got to take control back of your situation. You know, Velasquez still has two waiver options on his deal. You're telling me he has to be here. You're telling me that all of these guys and their contracts, oh, we're stuck with these contracts? How many times we see teams wiggle their way in and out of contracts in all sports and find ways to avoid paying luxury taxes and all these other things? I feel like the problem with the Phillies when I'm watching this team is that there's nobody being held accountable for the roster that was put on the field. I don't care what the salaries are. At some point... Someone's got to get their head out of the sand, get in Middleton's ear, and explain to him that this is not good enough. Well, I think everybody knows it's not good enough. You talked about them taking back control of this team. Well, then that shows me that you look at John Middleton more than Matt Klintak because he's the only person who's going to be able to take control of this team back. But when is he going to do it? What is he waiting for? That's a great question. I mean, if this year doesn't tell him that this is a serious issue, well, then we have a problem. It has to be after this year. Matt Klintak needs to be fired after this year. You're not going to do it right now. That doesn't get anything done. You would fire him after the season's over. And if he does, then we realize that he understands what's wrong. But if he doesn't, then we have a major issue. And keep in mind, he extended Matt Klintak. It's bad when Ruben Amaro Jr. seems to not be that bad of a GM. It's it's kind of exasperating, is it not? Especially considering that he's sometimes on the broadcast and you hear him talking about the team and there's a party that's sitting there like, do we really trade off this guy for Clintac? Like, not that Amaro's anything special, but sometimes you listen to the guys on the Phillies broadcast and you're sitting there thinking, was this guy really that bad? Like, you know, it's almost like a hindsight is 2020 kind of thing. Well... Matt Klintak is signed through 2022. So the, the three-year contract will take him through 2022, which is what they they extended him last year in 2019 and, and brought him back through 2022. So that would be John Middleton telling everyone, I made a mistake and I'm now going to let him go. Keep in mind, COVID's in play. He doesn't want to go over the luxury tax. Is he going to want to pay someone like Matt Klintak? And bring in a new guy. It's the same conversation that we have with Brett Brown. Are teams going to be willing to pay off contracts and then hire somebody else during a time like this? I'm going to reappropriate a question Mike Gill has asked. Is part of the problem that the Phillies are able to hide behind what's going on with the Sixers and the Flyers and the Eagles in their endeavors to not put the best quality team out there on the field? I don't think at this point they can. They might have for quite some time, and I feel like they they have. I mean, there's no doubt that they have. They went through a process of their own without openly coming out and saying, hey, we're going through a process like the 76ers did. But when you put on a display like this, where when your bullpen is abysmal, and I'm talking about multiple guys with an over 10 ERA, I mean, historically bad, we are talking about. 
There's no way for it to hide. And it's at the point now where the Flyers are having an awesome run. The 76ers, no one even really cares about this Sixers Celtics series, it seems. The Phillies are almost at the top of the conversation right now because of how poor they've been playing with the Flyers' playoff run. So I don't think at this point they have anywhere to hide. Now it's so bad. Now it's so ugly. We supported them getting new prospects, getting younger, after what happened with Jimmy Rollins, Utley Howard. We knew there was going to be some sort of rebuild. This is now the time to turn it around. And because they haven't yet, they are on the radar of at the top of the list of getting destroyed by us in the media, as they should. Text board is open. PlaySugarHouse.com text board is open. 609-403-0973. I find this text interesting from John from Collegewood Hunter because I feel like this describes a a good chunk of the fan base. And it also reminds me of, remember that Flyers call we got yesterday from the, the younger listener, John from Collingswood says, I already gave up on the Phillies. I'm interested to see how the Sixers adjust, but mostly psyched for the Flyers. I think that the majority of the fan base doesn't care, and that's part of the reason why the Phillies are able to get away with this because a lot of the fan base has just washed their hands of this team. Well, I think the, oh, I'm done, or I gave up on the Phillies, that's just frustration, right? There are people who are saying the same thing about the Sixers halfway through the season. I'm done with this team. This team's awful. That's just them voicing their opinion because they're mad and they're upset. What that tells me is they care about the Phillies so much that that's, you know, them just venting and being upset about it. That shows me more. When you say that, when you get to the point of saying, like, I'm finished with this team, I'm over it, you care more than you think you do. So hearing that shows me that people do care about the Phillies and they're not actually done with them. They want change. PlaySugarHouse.com text board is open, 609-403-0973. Brody, along with Josh Henning, leave the Flyers hockey at 3 o'clock on 97.3 ESPN. But if they need to make a change, are they going to make the change, first of all, before the trade deadline, which is the end of this month? Because that's the first step well, in all this. I don't think there's going to be any moves by any, like All these teams are involved. All these teams are in play during this 60-game season. You're not going to see much. And even if you do, like, who's giving up a good reliever right now? Who's on a bad team that's going to be so out of it that they're giving up a reliever? I don't think any team is going to get insanely better. You're not going to see those teams go out and get that one player to go make that World Series run. You might see one. I mean, I'd be shocked, but you might see one. With the nature of how this season is, who's giving up a good reliever to for, for the Phillies to fix their bullpen? I don't have a good answer for you because I feel like the two teams that we would have said before the year that could have been those options are having way better seasons than we thought, and that would be the Orioles and the Marlins. But they're bad for a reason, right? So, yes, their bullpen is better than the Phillies, and right now they're not as terrible as we thought they would be, but these teams don't typically have good rosters. So, sure, you might be able to find a bullpen player here and there on bad teams, but we're going to start picking at the worst teams in the league and and grab their – like the Miami Marlins bullpen guys. But that's the I, only I guy you can go and get because well, you just said half the league is tr- still in contention. Right, but who who are, who do they want from the Phillies? Who are the Phillies giving up? They don't want Austin Davis. They want a guy with a 10 ERA. They don't want anyone that the Phillies have. So what do you even have as the Phillies to give up to go get some random bullpen arm? Nobody wants to touch anyone on this team, and you're not going to be willing to give up a Reese Hoskins right now for some 
random bullpen arm because the 60-game season is going down the tube. So I don't even know who the Phillies have that people would want. Is there anybody that you look at this team and say this guy is expendable in any way? Like, I'm just, I'm just looking through the team with the, the biggest money numbers right now. The problem. I'm not giving up anybody for this season. At this point, okay. it's so bad. This this bullpen is so bad. You got to have a whole entire shift, and that starts in the off season. I'm not getting away from guys that you have on this roster now to have a, a, you know, it depends on the contract and the player, of course, but I don't know what teams are giving up players when it's a 60-game season and they're all in the hunt with the expanded, with the expanded, um, you know, playoff format. Okay, so under that premise, we're stuck the way we are now. So then the yes. next problem is, after this season, will anything get done, you think? Absolutely. That's where we're at. Right now, there's no change that's going to happen. The only change that can happen is some random prospect is going to get called up and be good in the bullpen, which I'm not putting my money on it, or someone steps the hell up, and I'm not putting my money on that either. So, yes, in this scenario, and this is something when we found out five games in how bad this bullpen really was, we all question, what can you possibly do to make this better? There's no answers because of the nature of this season. It's not your typical trade deadline, and a lot of teams are in play. So no one's giving up stuff, and nobody wants to have some of these players on the Phillies. I know guys are irritated with Reese and Gene Segura and these players, but you're not giving up someone like Gene Segura, who's been a 300 hitter his entire career, who's very underwhelming right now, for some random bullpen piece because your bullpen's that much of a problem right now in, in this little season. There's, it's, just not, it's just not the way that it goes. I'm just at the point that I'm more on the side of a lot of these other people at this point. And and you listen, maybe I'm maybe I'm falling victim of to the the hater rate, okay? I just feel like if this team wanted to be good, they would be good. And I think that Middleton's quietness and allowance of Clintac to function the way he is shows complicitness. And if he's complicit with the poor quality product on the field, then as far as I'm concerned, the Phillies are a lost cause. So then you agree that John Middleton is more of the issue than Clintac? I think he's a big part of it. I think it's Clintac and Middleton. I don't think it's Girardi. I don't think it's the players. I think it's the GM, and I think it's the owner. I think it's half and Some half. Some of it's on the players because there's no way in hell that Reese should be this bad. There's no way that Gene Segura should be this bad. Like Some of the players, Andrew McCutcheon, you can't have a leadoff hitter hit what he's hitting right now. You cannot have Andrew McCutcheon leading off and giving you the production that he's giving you right now. At some point, if you want to win, you got to not have him. He's hitting 167. How can you have your leadoff 167 with a 234 OBP? It is impossible, and that goes on him. Like, There's plenty of problems with the actual players right now, but in the big grand window, like the big scheme of things here, yes, I would agree with you that this is a Middleton and Klentak issue. But at the same time, these guys have to step up and perform better because besides Bryce and and JT, there's a Jay Bruce occasionally that steps up. There's a DD that I say, okay, they're competing. They're not at the level of, of JT and Bryce, but that's okay because they're not those type of players. Other than that, you have a heartless team right now, and that's a big-time issue on the player side as well. 
He's on our birdie. I'm Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Gill on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Sports Bash being brought to you by the New Jersey Department of Agriculture. Jersey Fresh Tomatoes are ripe and ready for your sandwiches, burgers, salads, and sauces. Be sure to pick up some at your local favorite market today. Jersey Fresh Tomatoes are essential. Jersey. We got more to talk about throughout the show. Of course, Flyer Talkie coming up at 3 o'clock, Sixers tonight at 9. You hear all the action right here on 97.3 ESPN. He's Hunter Brody. I'm Josh Hennig. We'll get into more Sixers and Flyers coming up next to PlaySugarHouse.com. Josh Hennig back here on the Sports Bash. Filling in for Mike Gill. Only on for an hour today with Flyer Talk coming up at 3 p.m. on 97.3 ESPN along with Hunter Birdie here on 97.3 ESPN. PlaySugarHouse.com. Text board is open. 609-403-0973. Texter chimes in and says, I'm grasping at straws and I'm very wishful. But have the Phillies closed the door on JT Romuto? Hunter, do you think that the Phillies are closing the door on Romuto because they're not getting a deal done with him? No, I, I think what they're doing, well, JT might take it that way. It, it seems like they're just allowing him to get to free agency so they can see what the market is like, so they can see what type of deals he's getting. And then if it's in reason that they'll probably counter and try and keep him here. They just they want to allow him to get to free agency so they can they can see what type of money he's going to get in this COVID environment. And if he's going to play the way he's playing right now, well, sure, someone's going to pay him. What do you think? Oh, someone's going to pay him. The problem is that you traded away players to get him. And if you let him walk, then it's a waste of a deal. And as you mentioned earlier, and you've mentioned on Twitter as well, you're wasting away this great season by your two best players because you're unwilling to do what it takes to win. But I would say, like, I, I do understand the logic part of, all right, let's assess this. He's 30 if you sign him for six years until he's 36 at the catcher position who led the league in innings last year, clearly has a ton of toll on his body, $23 million per year. I get why you sit back and think, okay, what should we do? At this point, I feel like it's okay to do that. I'm not with the crowd of, Pay whatever. You're a billionaire. Who cares? Just sign him. Do whatever it takes. No, I, I think it's fair and reasonable to at least look at this logically with the age, with the position, and things of that nature. But you needed to know that before you made the trade as well, right? Like when you make that trade, you should already know his age. You should already know his position and where he is in his career. So with that being said, you know, I, I felt like before the move even happened, that should have been involved in the equation. But if they do feel at this point it's not the, the right decision for them based off of what I just said, well, I don't think two wrongs make a right. So if you make that trade and now you realize, hey, maybe it's not the best thing, well, you don't just say, well, let me sign him anyway because we made that trade. If this is going to put you in problems down the road because of money, because of luxury tax, well, you wouldn't just sign him because of what you gave up if you truly believe it's not the right deal. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but my reply to that is you got to then get off of the other bad deals you have stuck with. We mentioned Well, Arietta Ari comes off the books. Arietta's the big one, and he's off the right. books for next season. So other than that, I mean, he's the real bad one left 
as we speak. Like the true insanely bad deal left McCut- is that area. McCutcheon's deal is a bit of an albatross still. At this point, yes. You, if you saw what he did last year, you could work with that. But to, to the point he is now, it, it's a bit of a problem. But is he a 167 hitter? Or is this just the nature of he's coming out to a slow start in the first 12 games? And if this is a game, if this is a 162 season, you don't feel that much of an issue with Andrew. You go, okay, Andrew McCutcheon will figure it out. So, you know, next year, if the season's 162, can Andrew McCutcheon get out of this and it, and it still not be that big of a deal? It's a good question. Another deal that comes off the the books next year is Jay Bruce. That's $14 million off your books. So you have 14 plus $20 million. You're already 34 off the books. It seems pretty reasonable that you could, you could sign Ramuto to a contract, but build it so that the money starts kicking in next year and just not this year. I'm with you. I, I agree with you. They're looking, but you keep in mind, you lose Jay Bruce. Now you got to fill that void. And Jay Bruce, he's been a, a nice piece for this team. He's he's been a hell of a player for this baseball team. So now you got to find a way to fill what he's been doing, and you got to find a way to to fix these other holes. The bullpen, you're going to have to spend. You're going to have to spend money to fix the bullpen. A lot of money. You're going to have to go out and sign those type of players that you that are veterans. They're going to going to get paid. Like a David Robertson. It didn't work out, but you're going to have to take flyers on these guys because the guys that they've been drafting, they don't work when you call them up. So you're going to have to fix an entire bullpen by spending money. So that plays into this equation as well. By the way, for those who are wondering, Aaron Nola's contract, he's going to make another $4 million next year. So it's not going to really break the bank in terms of overall salary. Uh, Vince Velasquez is arbitration eligible for the for the next year and then he's an unrestricted free agent. So I don't know, maybe you could dump him off on some other team for arbitration negotiations and leave it to somebody else. It's possible. They gotta get rid of the Vince Velasquez's of the world and the Nick Pavetta's of the world and all that. I'm done with it. I'm not doing another season of it. I can work with Zach Eflin. I can. If he's your fifth guy, if he's your fourth guy, I can live with a Zach Eflin. You're not gonna have five powerhouse pitchers. I think Eflin provides enough to fill a role and pitch every fifth day. But I'm done with the Velasquez's of the world. It needs to it needs to be a whole new look to this team next season or they're going to be screwed and going through this type of pain once again. Joey D. Inventor chimes this. is poor Spencer Howard. The kid didn't even throw a pitch yet, and he's already lost to DeGrom on the hill for the Mets. It's going to be a tough one for sure. Yeah, DeGrom. But here's the thing about the Mets. They never give this guy run support ever. But Spencer Howard... New guy in the league. Maybe they can do some damage against him. I'm curious to see this matchup. Once I saw Vince Velasquez come out of the bullpen yesterday, I put a smile on my face. Not because I wanted to see him in the game, but because I knew that meant Spencer Howard was going to get the nod for this. But how about Alec Bohm yesterday? So he gets his first nod in the MLB. He hit the double down the left line. And um, there was one play, though, that sticks out to me, Josh, and I want to get your thoughts on it. It was the fifth inning. And Jake Arrieta was getting into some trouble after throwing a really solid game. And there was a ball that got smoked right to Alec Bohm at third. And it went right under his glove. Now, it was smoked. It was a tough one to get. But in the MLB, I feel like that's one that you should have. It could have been a double play. And the game could have been changed. One of his biggest knocks was defense. I don't know how much stock to put into it. Normally, Arietta would rip apart his team about defense. Nothing was really commented about it other than it was a tough play to make. I, I don't know. I mean, it's something that I need to look at and say that could have been a difference-making play in the game because it was 2 nothing Phillies, and then that inning, it was 4-2 after that, after that play. 
it was definitely a, a a bad outcome. But I don't think that was the reason why the team lost again. Like the team lost the game because the bullpen imploded again, and sure, the the lineup that had been hitting a little bit recently just decided to stop hitting. So, to me, that's more of the issue. That I think I think Alec Bohm. I'm going to stop calling him Alex Bomb, okay? It's Alec Bohm is going to be fine. I'm less concerned about him than I am about some of these other guys. Because when I look at, you mentioned Hoskins earlier, right? You look at uh, Andrew McCutcheon. These are guys I'm legitimately concerned about because I really wonder if if they're going to ever turn it around this year because you don't have 162 games that kind of tinker and figure it out. Now it's... 60 games and you're done. And we're already, uh, what, what, what are the Phillies right now? They're five and nine. Yep. So that's 14 games. You have 44 game, uh, 46 games to figure this thing out. Am I really supposed to believe that McCutcheon and Hoskins and these guys are going to figure it out in just a 40 plus games? No. I mean, if you, at this point, Josh, if you're sitting here thinking that this team could do anything, well, then shame on you because they can't do anything. It's pretty obvious at this point. No. I mean, do you sit here today? And still have faith that they could figure this thing out? I have faith for only one reason. And it's well, you something me, but here hit me. It's something that Metallica brought up on the post game. I think it was last night. This team has played at home almost every game this year. This team needs to get away from home. They need to get out of their comfort zone. Maybe there's a maybe there's a, a switch that can be hit for a team when they're away. You know the Miami Marlins have played zero games at home this year? And they're eight and four. How about the fact that the Cubs lead the Central and they've already played seven games away from home? How about you flip it over to the American League? And think about all the teams that have played a long road schedule. The Orioles are 7-1 on the road. I mean, in this environment, maybe the key is to get out of your own house. I don't think that fixes Austin Davis, Guerra, or any of these problems that we have in the bullpen. Tommy Hunter... I don't think getting away from Citizens Bank Park is the difference on this team legitimately being able to contend or not. This team stinks. They're not good enough in the bullpen. It is historic to have this many guys have over a 10 ERA in the bullpen. Historic. I don't think we even properly understand how bad these numbers really are. They are so bad. Austin Davis... 21 ERA. Connor Brogdon, 20 ERA. Cole Irvin, 18. Nick Pavetta, 15.8. Guerra, 10. Adam Morgan, 10. You you can't make this up. If you were going to make up a scenario where a team had a bad bullpen, you wouldn't even throw out the numbers I just said. That's how disturbing this is. I don't think that's the difference of Citizens Bank Park, Fenway Park, Yankee Stadium, or anything else. It's just not good enough all around from a team standpoint. And I don't think that you should have any optimism that going away from home would be the difference of this team competing or not. Hey, you got to give me credit for throwing something against the wall. Even even though you you wiped it off the wall with the, with the largest squeegee possible and then bleached the wall after you took my idea off the wall. Okay. You know, at least I gave you something. Okay. You're thinking outside the box. I get it. But at the end of the day, you win because of your talent. And they don't have that. So that is a problem. Well, they have that in two guys. Yeah. And that's, uh, I don't want to make it seem like I'm knocking DD or Jay Bruce. There are some other guys that 
you know, work hard and they do have a, a decent role on this team that are not terrible like some of the others. But the two main horses are clearly Bryce Harper and JT. Place your text board is open 609-403-0970. You know what the best team that Bryce Harper is on this year? It's not the Phillies. It's those Gatorade commercials that are on all the time. I don't know which ones you're talking about. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't even know which one you're talking about. I thought you watched television. Did you do. watch sports I... TV? Yeah, but when commercials are I got Josh, you know my system down here. When one goes to a commercial, I'm unmuting the next TV and putting that one on mute. I'm see, not watching. See, the you haven't seen these Gatorade commercials. They're everywhere. I've never had a Gatorade commercial stick out to me where I'm thinking, wow, that was a great Gatorade commercial. Well, these are great. I mean, it's Bryce Harper, Zion Williamson, Todd oh, Gurley, Elena Deladon. Yeah, they're in goalie pads, and then they're they're playing well, they're, other sports outside of the sports that they play. I've seen it. But there's three different versions of these commercials. Does the commercial ticker tickle your fancy that much, Josh? It does. I, I'm thoroughly entertained when they come on the television. It gives me a little chuckle. Ah, I've seen better. I, I love it when Bryce Harper is the basketball one where Zion says we're going to play basketball and Bryce pretends like he's going to dunk and he goes, ah, not happening. It's hilarious. You know what's hilarious? This bullpen's ERA. Can we talk about something more happy and positive coming up next? Sure, the Flyers, baby. Let's go. I mean, John from Collingswood wants to talk about Flyers, but, you know, we talked about the Phillies because they're embarrassing. Yeah, it's a lot easier to, to just rant and get your juices flowing for a team that pisses you off, you know? And so it, we get sucked down that road. But we'll talk Flyers. The game's coming up in about, what, 18 minutes or so? That's right. I mean, I'm not playing Tupac, keep your head up for nothing. It's a good move by you. I have, I have my moments. Sports Bash being brought to you by Matt Black Kia. Matt Black Kia wants to get you approved today. That's Matt Black Kia and the Black Horse Pike in Egg Harbor Township. By the way, did it downpour where you live this morning? Not this morning, no. Okay, so I guess it's only out where I live that it literally was a torrential downpour. Then by the time I got out to the parkway to come north, it was uh, cleared up. So I guess it was uh, one of those isolated scattered thunderstorms maybe uh, we're gonna talk some flyers coming up next along with hunter brody i'm josh henning filling for mike gill we're only on for an hour till 3 p.m right here flyers hockey coming up next game two it's flyers playoff hockey later today on 97.3 espn and the free mobile app with tim saunders and steve Coates calling all the exciting play-by-play Back to the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Final segment of the Sports Bash. We're only on until 3 o'clock. Flyers hockey coming up in about 11 minutes from now. Tim Saunders, Steve Coates on the call. And it's a busy, busy weekend for sports, Broads. MMA, a big MMA fight. And they grow in excitement and anticipation every weekend. UFC 252 is no different with two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping into the octagon this weekend. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering new users the opportunity to bet $1 to win $252 when placing a bet on the big fight. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 973 when you sign up. Also, NBA playoffs right around the corner. DraftKings is offering $10 in free bets to use on in-game action every day 
of the first round of the playoffs. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You gonna be watching that UFC fight? Yeah, I'm watching. How do I feel about it? Well, let me yeah. tell you. Let me tell you something, okay? I love the fact that the headline is so meaningful because sometimes, you know, and this is from from just a pure fan perspective. There's something that gets your juices going a little extra when you know there's history on the line, you know? Right. But you know what? So, the, the card is really good, too. You know, you have former UFC champion Junior Dos Santos fighting a guy in Rosenstrike that can basically punch his head off. Former contender John Dodson fighting in on the main card. The undercard's got... Three fighters are arguably some of the more popular fighters in the MMA world, and people like Jim Miller, Felice Herrig, Ashley Yoder. So it, it's a really fun card up and down. I got to give them credit for it, man. I'm excited. I haven't put my bet in yet. I will be using DraftKings to do that, of course, but I'm going to wait until the moment is right on Saturday. That's when I do it. I need the right moment when it hits me, and when I know, I know. Well, you know what? There, There is some value to be had on this card, specifically with Dos Santos and Dodson, because both of those guys are in fights that, you know what? Those are kind of fights that are probably not going to go the distance, if you know what I mean. Oh, I know what you mean. By the way, some news here with the Flyers lineup. News. Courtesy of Kevin Durso. News. No lineup changes. Shane Gossespierre still in the lineup. I was a little shocked by that. I thought if there was going to be one move, it would be Robert Hagan and Shane Goss to spare out. Now, I didn't think Ghost played awful. I didn't think he played terrible. Were there some mistakes? Sure. I thought that there were a couple mistakes, but nothing, you know, so pathetic where I think he should never get ice time again. I just thought maybe with the speed and the pace of the Canadians that Robert Haig's defense would be a little bit better than Shane Goss's Bears. But, hey, maybe it has to do with the power play not being able to score, and they need as much help as they can get on special teams. Maybe it's solely because of that reason. I would have liked to see them maybe take Goss's Bear out of the lineup because I felt like he looked, like, lost at times in that game on There Wednesday. were a couple times. A couple times. But I would say that I understand why they're keeping him in there because – there is this feeling, at least in my opinion, that we know the Canadians are going to commit penalties because of the style of play that they have, and you probably rather have ghosts as part of one of those power play units. I honestly believe that the only reason he's in there, over Haig at this point, is because their power play has been struggling that much, and that could be the difference in games. You saw it last game. It was 2-1, to one, third period. They had a 4-on-3. They had a 5-on-4. They didn't cash in. Then, with 26 seconds left, they hit the crossbar. That could be the difference. That power play, those two power play opportunities, you need to cash in there. You need to put away teams. You need to score. And I know they did on the first one, but it wasn't as if their power play setup was so lethal during that power play. They just threw a puck on net that went in, and that's what they're going to have to do at this point because it hasn't been pretty. But you need to find a way to score. So I think the only reason why he's in there is to create some offense on that side of the special team unit. What is a guy that you want everyone to watch out for in this game at 3 o'clock? Maybe, maybe it's a big name. Maybe it's a little name. Maybe it's just somebody that you got a feeling about. You know, let, give, let, me, let me open up the mind of Hunter Brody, the hockey guy. 
Well, the simple answer is Carter Hart, but I'm not going to do that. And, you know, there's some guys that when you said that came to my mind and Ivan Proveroff because of how stellar he can be. But I think in this game, it's going to be Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes normally has an impact where you recognize him a lot out there. And he had that spinorama pass to Scott Lawton where Kerry Price made the ridiculous save. But he didn't really pop to me last game. And I think that he's one of those players where, and there's actually a stat for it, when he scores in a game, the Flyers are successful. And I think that he needs to have a really great performance tonight. So I'll go with Kevin Hayes because I, I expect a little bit more out of him than what I saw in game one. I'm curious to see what happens with the second line in this game because I thought they might have had a better game than they did. You know, guys like Konechny, Hayes, Lawton. I think Hayes overall had a good game, but I want to see a little bit more from Konechny and Lawton tonight. Today, I should say. Sure, the whole second line. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I'm not claiming that Hayes was bad by any means. I just, the point is, I expect a lot from some of these players. Now, their expectations went up. So when you have a okay game, when I think you can have a great game, well, then I'm going to be a little hard on you. And that's how I feel about someone like Kevin Hayes. He's Hunter Birdie. I'm Josh Hennig. Flyer Hockey coming up next on 97.3 ESPN for full reaction to the Flyers game. Make sure Sports Talk with Bros will be live at 97.3ESPN.com after the game this evening. Also, I'm sure you'll be losing your mind with the Phillies game a little bit later tonight. And maybe or maybe not, you won't care about the Sixers. Yeah, the Sixers, I don't know, man. It's weird. It's weird because it seems like the other teams are taking over, whether it's because of frustration or excitement. Either way, I know this. 79% of all bets right now at DraftKings Sportsbook are on the Flyers for the game today. How do you feel about that? That actually scares me, so Ooh. I don't feel great about it. Well, Tim Saunders, Steve Coates coming up next. Hunter Brody, Bros81 on Twitter. Go to 97.3 ESPN Conference Reactions. I'll be back for game night post-game show with our Flyers insider Kevin Durso at 6 o'clock.